Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Reasonable Dad podcast. My name is Rob Rosen. I am the executive producer and creator of the TV show Reasonable Dad. And my name is Detective Chris Anderson. I'm a former homicide investigator and co-host of Reasonable Dad. And my name is Fatima Silva. I'm a criminal defense attorney and co-host of Reasonable Doubt. All right. So Reasonable Doubt, the television show, runs every Tuesday night on Discovery ID at 10 o'clock. Please make sure to watch it. If you haven't watched some of our earlier episodes, please check those out on demand. And basically the premise is every episode, uh, Fatima and Chris are called in by someone who has a loved one who's been convicted of murder. And they are absolutely convinced that their loved one was wrongfully convicted. And they give Chris and Fatima certain leads that they think will prove it. Chris and Fatima investigate those leads. And at the end of the show, they come back and either decide that it's a case they wanna get behind, that they wanna support, or they want the family to face some tough truths. (laughs) (laughs) I was just laughing because that was a big lead in like you just you were pitching our show to somebody like who's never watched it before I hope people who are who are listening to the podcast have seen our show there's no reason not to now people okay you're all home stay Mm -hmm. home watch reasonable doubt listen to our podcast it's that easy (laughs) how's your social distancing going by the way well, I have this little bratty one-year-old who just won't stay six feet away from me, unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm quarantined with him. Yeah. Chris, how are you doing with it? So, yeah, social distancing is very easy for me because my kids don't like me. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> Your kids are moved out, right? <laughs> CJ is still here. But, oh, uh, CJ still home. See, yeah, but my daughters, they are... Uh, they, they were practicing social distancing before the government required it <laughs> until it's time to pay and a mortgage. I wish my kid was aware of what's happening. He's just excited. Mommy and daddy are home. Let me tell you this. And you're going to remember this. Look, in 
15 years, uh, maybe even 16 years, you know, you're going to miss this. You're going to miss that bratty little one-year-old who doesn't practice. You can remind me then because right now I'm stuck in the house with him. And if I I keep telling my husband, man, if this quarantine happened years ago, I would be living it up. I mean, I was meant for quarantine life. I just want to sit and read and watch all Netflix and everything on TV. But no, instead I'm trying to shush him. So he's not in the background of all Justin's phone calls. Mm. You know, he's going crazy in the house. We're in San Francisco. We don't have backyards. I think I've learned that I I hate quarantine life. Like I I always think that I'm an introverted extrovert, but I actually realized that like, I have called so many people that I haven't talked to in like years and years, like (laughs) ex-girlfriends. And I'm like, Hey, I'm just checking in on you. How you doing? (laughs) So, Rob, I, I do have a question for you. How are you adjusting to this? Because Fatima and I both know how yeah. often you are gone, how hard you work as a producer. On the so road. how are you adjusting to social distancing? Not well. Well, here's the one thing that I do. I, uh, I live by the beach here in Southern California. I probably walk 10 to 12 miles a day. I'm actually like, I have been trying to lose weight for like two years. I've tried every stupid diet, as you guys know, (laughs) none of it worked, but what works is quarantining because yeah, because I'm not going out for dinner every night, which I almost always do. And I'm walking like two or three hours listening to podcasts, like the reasonable dad podcast. And um, I'm just walking and I've lost, I've lost five pounds. You've lost. Yeah. (sighs) I no, just keep I, eating all the food we're stocking up. Right. I mean, I my, mean my, my quarantine snacks are gone. They, yeah. are, they are gone. <laughs> Have you heard about the, uh, there's that new phrase, the Corona 19. And the 19 We're gaining pounds? 19 pounds, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. And that glass of wine every night that I normally never did. But is, it now so, like, well, is it just 19? Is that a limit? Is, is, is that just Well, I guess it depends how long this goes. Maybe it's optimistic for some people. Okay, That's it. I'm just going to get pregnant and blame it on baby weight, guys. <laughs> <laughs> or make you all think I'm pregnant, but really I just ate all the food in the house. <laughs> all right. If you're listening to us for the first time, I promise you we really do get to a case here. So um, <laughs> in this case, it was... Back to Horneck. Uh, yes, Warren Horneck. And um, it was a really unusual case. And before we get to it, uh, let's just start with a little bit of background. March 14th, 1995, Fort Worth, Texas. Former police officer Warren Hornick and his wife Bonnie are out drinking. 11 p.m., the two leave the bar. Both are intoxicated, but still make the five-minute drive home. 11.39 p.m., a frantic Warren calls 911. Bonnie is dead, the victim of a gunshot to the chest. A 38 special is by her side. Initially, it's considered a suicide, but one year later, Warren Hornick is charged with murder. 1996, Hornick stands trial for the murder of his wife. Prosecutors argue that he had a pattern of abusive behavior, but the case comes down to Warren's bloody shirt the night of the murder. The state argues the blood came from blowback when he shot his wife. The defense argues it came from CPR when he was trying to save her. The state wins. Warren is sentenced to 30 years in prison. He is scheduled to be released in 2026. 
the first thing that I think uh, hit everybody in this investigation is that usually it is a family member, a wife or a mother or a daughter who is calling us in. In this case, it was a friend. And the second guy, Bob, really barely knew him at all, but he did believe in the case. Um, how did you guys react to that? You know, for me, it was, it was, it was um, somewhat uncomfortable. You have a, a former police officer whose old car buddy is the one that's fighting for him. And uh, then a guy that, you know, really didn't know him at all. So, you know, I, and, and it's not that I don't, it was just uncomfortable for me. I'll leave yeah. it at that. I mean, obviously it didn't change how we go about our investigation, right? Absolutely. Um, right we're right, looking right. into this regardless. And, and we always want to see if we can help out somebody who's been wrongfully convicted. But I guess it, it was strange because, um, you know, normally you, you can't help but wonder, well, why don't you have family here advocating mm -hmm. for you? I mean, no one. We've had all kinds of loved ones advocate for their family members. We've had nieces, nephews grandparents, I mean, um, cousins. So to have no one who can get on board, that was strange. It makes you wonder, well, how many bridges has this man burned? People make the convicts out to be kind of saintly. And in this case, that wasn't the case at all. I mean, Jeff, who knew him pretty well, was pretty forthright about what kind of guy he was. What I've not heard either one of you say is that Warren is just not capable of doing anything like this. I never saw him become angry or abusive. Okay. Now, Warren was a drinker, and he was a heavy drinker. And when he got drunk, he was not a pretty drunk. Okay. That caused him to be less likable. Well, and it was interesting, too, because to have friends and people who aren't super close to you say, yeah, you could be a mean drunk, to me that means a lot because um, – we all have different personalities behind closed doors, right? I mean, nobody's really ever seen you get as mean or say really low things, probably like your spouse or your significant other. That's when you can get pretty evil. Um, so, you know, for somebody who's not that person in your life to say you can get pretty mean, it made me wonder if he's like that around other people, what's he like behind closed doors mm -hmm. when he's that drunk? So one of the things that was really odd about this case was that the cause of death had originally been ruled a suicide, and then a year later they changed it to murder. Either one of you, how unusual is that, and is that a little bit suspicious? Sometimes they're just still investigating. Um, I do. I feel like in this case, I just I feel like it's reckless. I mean, most of the time the coroner should make a you know it, it's they can't but, determine, right? Uh, and then right. the case remains open and there's an investigation. So I believe it's pretty reckless to say suicide and then later homicide um, without any other physical evidence or eyewitness or something like that, just because you can declare, you can say it's, it's undetermined in the beginning and then continue the investigation, right, right. Chris? It, it, yeah, it was, it was actually pretty strange to me uh, without any other information. You know, I've, I've, got, I've got cases... I've got cases on my desk right now that are listed as undetermined. And this, th these cases have gone on for seven or eight years without any other information that comes along to change the classification of that, uh, for instance, that report. And I, I've rarely seen it happen. So yes, strange to me. Yes, it was. 
And our independent medical examiner also said that he would have ruled it uh, a suicide. So Chris, I had a question for you that uh, came up when we were talking to that medical examiner and he was making a really big deal about how there were no defensive wounds on the victim. Right. Um, But I'm wondering in your experience, when it's a domestic violence type of thing, there's a lot of drinking involved, it's a gun. Um, from my perspective, right, just looking at it as a, as a layman, it, it didn't seem like there would have to be defensive wounds, right? I mean, if she's arguing with someone that she lives with and is married to and trusts, the element of surprise, couldn't that have explained why there were no defensive wounds or am I looking at it the wrong way? No, you're, you're exactly right, Rob. In a case like that, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't expect to see any, any defensive wounds because number one, he's done this before. He's pulled guns out on her before. And we don't know how many times that went unreported and things of that nature, but he's pulled, he's pulled a gun out on her before. We know that for a fact. And he's also fired a gun at her before. So why wouldn't we think on a night that he's intoxicated, that they got into a squabble or or an argument, because I'm sure that argument carried over from the club uh, back to their bedroom. A night he's and he's extremely intoxicated. He pulls out a gun, sticks it to her chest, and she thinks, you know, hey, he's not going to do anything. He's he's done this several times before. I'm used to it. And then bam. Or I mean, they both come home drunk. She's already in her nightgown in bed. Who's to say she's not passed out and asleep? And then he comes in and decides to do it. Yeah, that's a weird thing with me. So what's a lot of times when we talk to experts, it seems as though um, there are certain assumptions that they make. And this is just an example of that. And sometimes I wonder, like, are those assumptions getting in the way, right, of the final determinations? Like, um, can't do, you know, do we have to assume that there would be defensive wounds? Like you said, mm-hmm. maybe she was asleep or maybe she'd just been there before. And it, it seems like that happens a lot. Um, is that something, um, Chris, that you would deal with when you were investigating a homicide and talking to experts? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, look, I, I respect Dr. Krause. I, I, I respect his opinion. Uh, and he said a few things also that led me to believe that, you know, he was kind of unsure about this, but with the, with the evidence that they had at the preliminary investigation, and it was deemed a suicide at that time, you know, he made his determination from there. And there was no other information that was uh, brought into the uh, medical examiner's office that should make them change that first classification. So I think that that's what he was, he, he, he based his decision or his uh, findings from. Uh, but, you know, I just, I mean. Uh, Lack I, of defensive wounds is always an issue. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I feel like it always comes into play in a homicide, right? Um, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. You're going to look at it. And if there aren't, if there are none, then you're going to wonder, uh, you know, was there, was there a confrontation? But I don't believe in this situation where people are in their own home, there needed to be a confrontation. This is a woman who's, she, this is her husband. He's a mean drunk. She's seen him act that way before. Like Chris said, he shot at her once before. Uh, You know, he, he likes to be intimidating. He probably likes to say really awful things to her. And she was just like, it's another one of those nights. I'm going to go to bed. Mm -hmm. And she just never woke up. I mean, that's personally what I believe happened. So another big piece of uh, circumstantial evidence in this case was the 911 call. And Fatima, you went to an expert who, just by way of background, we never could get into the show, was uh, an original member of the band, Sha Na Na. Very random little Greece, fact. Greece, right? 
Shut up. I, he said he performed at Woodstock before Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> so. Anyway, um, so we played the 911 call former Fatima. You you were playing clips of it. And I want to play one little clip of that 911 call because early in the call, he sounds very drunk. But then in the clip I'm about to play, he sounds a lot more sober. And that was used against him. And Fatima, I'm curious about your thoughts about that. Wait, my wife just shot herself. Get over here now. We're on our way, sir. All right, get in the ambulance and I don't know what I guess what I was looking for is that you know he wasn't trying to fake cry or you know he's just telling them get here now but it doesn't make a difference whether he shot her or she shot herself his emotion is just drunk that's his emotion and I didn't feel like he really did uh, sober up at any point in there I think maybe what had happened was his adrenaline as he, you know, realized what had happened. And while he's on the phone, I think, you know, maybe he just kind of figured it, okay, I need to enunciate better. Um, but the call for me was kind of a wash. I, I mean, one, I don't, I don't know how someone's going to behave in, in that situation. Like I said, I know for me, maybe I'd be a little more emotional, but when you're dealing with someone who's inebriated, um, I don't know if he's even capable of really trying to manipulate or anything like that. And, and the reason I say that too is because, you know, he thinks she's breathing. For background on this, about seven and a half minutes into the call, um, the operator specifically asks Warren, is she still breathing? And he says, yes, very clearly. And we know from the medical examiner's report that she was definitely dead about a minute in. And so Chris, talk about your thought process, because I think for you, that was very indicative of guilt. Um, the fact that a trained police officer would say that when she was clearly dead. Yeah, it, it very well could have been a uh, him trying to uh, uh, bolster the fact that he knew he shot his wife and and that uh, you know play the role of being a caring and 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 the person that didn't do this or not, he's not responsible for this, so he wants it on tape that she's still breathing. Well, and not just that, but I mean, he, it's all his efforts to save her, right? I'm, I'm trying to save her. I'm, um, you know, doing mouth to mouth and I'm pushing and this is how I got blood on me. But if, mm-hmm. you know, if you already know somebody's deceased, um, you know, you, you probably just, w- you wouldn't be able to help them. So you'd just be sitting there and begging for the ambulance to hurry. But, you know, he needs maybe a reason to have blood all over him. Just to explain, yeah, to, to explain that physical evidence also. Yeah, I agree with that. Fatima, I think that uh, one of the most powerful parts of this investigation was when you spoke to Holly. She was a former police officer who had worked with Warren and actually became pretty good friends with Bonnie, the victim. Um, in this clip I'm going to play, you asked her what her first reaction was when she found out that Bonnie had died. Just wanted to hit my fist on the counter and go, I knew it. I knew this was going to happen. You knew and you couldn't mm. do anything. Mm. And I don't understand it. I don't understand how someone that kind and lovable can stay in that type of situation. I don't, I cannot relate to that. I don't understand that. Do you think it's possible Bonnie committed suicide? No. And you believe that Warren was capable of taking Bonnie's life? Yes, intoxicated. In my mind, there is no doubt. I think he did it. I thought so then, and today sitting before you, I think he did it. That was my friend, and I loved her, 
and I enjoyed her company, and she had a bright, amazing career in front of her. And you just stole everything from her. You had no right to do that. You know, after diving into this case, um, the suicide, especially, you know, I'm sure for Chris, after he spoke with the expert, the suicide angle was a, a major possibility. That's the first. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Thing written on, you know, the death certificate. Um, you gotta, you gotta look into that. And if this person had any kind of issues in her past of depression or isolation or anything like that, then you know, it's, it's a major possibility. But as we started to learn more about Bonnie, she was a very likable person. She was a very ambitious person. She was smart. Um, she, she had a lot of friends. She loved being around other people. You just didn't get that sense of this kind of um, desperate, lonely person who would do this as if she, you know, not to say that people who do that don't have anything going for them, but there were just no other signs. But once I learned more about his personality, the kind of drunk that he is, and knowing that he was drunk that night, he seemed much more capable of killing Bonnie than Bonnie seemed of committing suicide. So for, for me, that was... And also, Holly was a friend of Warren's to begin with. And, you know, we can't put everything into the show, but backstory was she actually didn't really want to hang out with him to begin with because, um, you know, he just had a bad reputation in the police department. He was a drunk. He was angry. 
And so she avoided him. He, he invited her and her husband out to dinner many times and she kept saying no. Finally, he said, you know, I want you to meet my wife. And she said she gave it a shot one night and she just fell in love with Bonnie. She really enjoyed being with Bonnie. And so the friendship bloomed and she spent a lot of time with them as a couple. So Chris, when you went to the prison and you got to interview Warren one-on-one, what did you see? Obviously, you were seeing the Warren that was trying to make the best possible impression on you, but were you able to see anything beyond that during your conversation with him? He's a talker. Uh, he's the type of person that, that will, uh, you know, he's a charmer. And he's had uh, the many years he's had in prison to prepare himself for the interview or prepare himself to uh, give his, his side of what happened or his accounts of what happened. So uh, if, if you put the person that I spoke with in prison uh, up against the, the, the drunk Warren, as we, call, as we call them on the episode, you know, they, they were two completely different persons. Was there any signs of just absolute rage that came out during our interview? No, it wasn't. Uh, well, well I- let, me, let me play a clip. I wouldn't say rage, but you got him at a certain point to admit uh, to what happened when he fired that shot over his wife's head. And you guys mixed it up a little bit. So I want to play this clip and have you react to it. I had gone back. She was, she'd already gone to sleep. And I'd gone back into the bedroom and said, hey, and I was wanting to tell her what was on TV. And so she rolls over and she grabs a pillow and she pulls it over her head. And she says, I'm ignoring Warren. I'm ignoring Warren. All right. So that gun is between the box springs and the mattress. Okay. And... I pulled it out and I held it up against the uh, wall and I said, well, ignore this, and I fired it. What made you do that? Just a stupid-ass stupid prank. A prank? Stupid. Totally asinine. I understand. That way oversteps the boundaries of asinine. Yeah, so that, and that's where I was about to go. So when he talked about the uh, disagreements and arguments or uh, uh, confrontations that he had that in, involved Bonnie, you know, they, they, that, the, they, they, they just really go way out of hand really, really quick. So that kind of lets me know that, yeah, the things that these folks said about him, the, 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 the way that he's been portrayed throughout this entire investigation, that is absolutely true. You know, he did fly off the handle. He was a, 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 an abusive husband because, you know, you just don't, you don't pull a, 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 a weapon <laughs> out on your wife at at any point, unless you are very extremely controlling. And that's just indicative of what abusers do. They start off small, which I'm, I'm I'm sure that was not the only incident of uh, violence that she, she witnessed at the hands of Warren, you know, so, and, and it gets progressively worse. Every case that I've worked that involved abuse, that's how it starts off. It started off small and it got, gets progressively worse. And I saw that, in him during that interview and he actually he admitted to it so after but he called it he you know him calling he called it, it a prank and yeah a and prank. That's, it just goes that's to minimizing show. it you know and that's Absolutely. what that's what that's exactly what abusers do they minimize Somebody their pulling actions. a gun on you i mean that is terrifying mm-hmm. he knew he knew that by pointing that gun at her he probably thought it was funny he probably thought it was funny how he tormented that woman day in and day out around friends, uh, in, in front of other people, humiliating her, embarrassing her, and then at home terrifying her. And mm-hmm. you call it a prank. Mm-hmm. Not just that. Yeah. He also minimized his drinking. Oh, I was a happy go lucky drunk. 
bull. Holly said that she, there were many people, including her and her husband that told him, we will no longer go to dinner with you. We will no longer hang out with you if you are drinking. And he laughed. He said, well, why? I don't have a problem. And she said, oh, you do. And it's bad. And the way you humiliate Bonnie in front of us, the way you treat her. So he minimized that too. Mm-hmm. I, Even with us thinking about it now and talking about it now, you know, I, and it, it just brings up so many different emotions with me because, you know, this woman was probably tormented throughout their entire marriage. And now she's gone. After she forgave him for, for, for what he did the, uh, with pulling the weapon out, you know, that, that's, it's, it's, it's unimaginable what she went through throughout that marriage and that she didn't report that she didn't talk to anyone about. Well, uh, Warren is lucky that he had a, an amazing friend in Jeff Dunn who told us he was the king of second chances. And uh, Jeff is actually here. Uh, Jeff. Yes, sir. Hey, Jeff. How hey, you doing, Chris. man? How you doing? I'm doing great. Doing How you really holding? Good. How are y'all? Doing well. You still well, enjoying retirement? Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> so, Jeff, we wanted to check in and, you know, it's been seven or eight months since we uh, actually sat across from you and Chris and Fatima had presented the results of the investigation. Has anything shifted with you and has anything shifted uh, with Warren since that time? Well, uh, it's funny that you should mention that. Uh, yes, uh, Yes and no. Uh, I'll go with the yes part first. Um, uh, communication between uh, Warren and me uh, has decreased significantly. Um, I think the the, the last uh, communication we had was probably right before Christmas. And uh, I wrote him a long email and uh, just went over uh, the things that, that that I remembered about our our final conversation uh, with you guys and uh, the conclusion uh, that you had come to and the and the process involved in all that and uh, I, I just shared with Warren you know some of my frustrations and some of my uh, my uh, thoughts about uh, what the future uh, was going to look like, what it what it may look like, what it may hold for him, and just try and encourage him and prepare and get him to prepare for, um, you know, what that that future might be. And uh, uh, I sent that to him, and uh, I have not uh, heard back from him. So uh, I don't, uh, you know, as far as uh, since Christmas time, I have no idea what's going on with him. What, what was it exactly, Jeff, that you told him to prepare for? Well, I told him that uh, barring any uh, miraculous uh, appearance of uh, new evidence, uh, that it didn't appear that he was going to be able to get a, a new trial on that. And uh, he, he may be able to get to paroled. Um, but he was going to have to re-enter society with the stigma of uh, being a felon, uh, of being a murderer, uh, a person who very possibly uh, has murdered his wife, and, and the stigma of, of being uh, a wife abuser. 
uh, I told him that's, you know, it's an awfully deep hole um, to overcome, but it's not impossible. It's not insurmountable. And uh, I offered anything that I could do, including, you know, a place to stay if he needed one to, to regather his thoughts and to, to figure out what his, his next moves were going to be knowing that he was going to be pretty severely limited in what he was going to be able uh, to do and how he was going to be able to live in the future. It wasn't going to look anything like he had experienced in the past other than, you know, being in prison, it was going to be better than that. But, uh, but I don't know. Uh, it, 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 it looked kind of bleak to me, but I, I, there, there was a thread of hope that I wanted to share with him. Well, and you offered, your help later on and he didn't respond to that no you know we were talking earlier in this podcast about how when we had um tried to find the people closest to warren to best represent him uh for this investigation um really it was you and then bob who he didn't really know all that well to begin with um unfortunately, is this kind of part of Warren's character that he drives those closest to him away? You know, uh, you know, Warren is, is a, is a different kind of character. Um, he, he does have, um, uh, you know, like I said, he, when he was sober, he was a likable guy. Uh, um, not, not necessarily arrogant, but outgoing, friendly, likable guy. But uh, once uh, once he had some drinks in him, and uh, then he became arrogant and uh, uh, and really isolated himself. Uh, I think uh, I think people that saw him uh, as a drinker, uh, as a drunk, uh, didn't like them, and they distanced themselves from him, and probably for good reason too. And Jeff, you're a man of faith, right? Yes, ma'am. Have you ever given Warren the opportunity in the role that, that you always had in the police department to kind of ask for forgiveness, go to God and, and say, you know, if you did this, ask for forgiveness and move on in life? You know, when this all happened, I was over at his house a lot, probably two, maybe three times a week. And, uh, and, and we sat on the couch and we talked a lot about, uh, what had happened, uh, what was, uh, going to happen. Um, uh, he talked a lot about the, their relationship from his perspective. Um, uh, and, uh, and I just, you know, I just, I just, I, we, we talked about, spiritual things. Um, and uh, he certainly, I certainly gave him the opportunity to, uh, to, uh, get things right. And I think, uh, in, in a sense he did, as far as his relationship with Barney, um, he had said some things and done some things, uh, to her that, uh, he regretted, uh, that he was, uh, uh repentant. Uh, for, uh, but was kind of at a loss because as he was repentant, there was, she was not there anymore to, to give him that release of forgiveness. Uh, and I tried to tell him, you know, that, um, 
that even though she wasn't there, the fact that you know that uh, that he recognized the things that he had done were uh, inappropriate, were wrong. Um, uh, to recognize those, to call them what they were, uh, to seek forgiveness um, was was all he could do, and and that he had to have uh, he, enough faith to believe that the God that that we serve is a God big enough to accept that as it is and forgive him and, and to begin to live his life with that forgiveness. Well, I mean, you know, and, and it's obvious that he was one person in front of you, but in front of the other people that we spoke about or spoke to about him, he was somebody completely different. I, I, you know, there are certain people in your life that you try to maintain, you put on the best face for. You know, I have people in right. my life that I try to put the best yes. face on for. And I and and, 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 and you know, I, I don't know, Warren, I, I don't know y'all's relationship. But I, I mean, from everything that you've said and everything that Warren said, I think that he was he, you are that person in his life that he's always tried to put his best face on for. What do you want me to say, Chris? Do you want me to no, say, yeah, no. I think he's a murderer. I think he killed no. his wife. Absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't do you like that. I mean, I think what we're looking for perhaps is more of an acknowledgement that perhaps you didn't know Warren the way a lot of other people did that he, he put his best, you know, face forward with you, especially being, um, you know, the man of God that you are and probably almost like a mentor father figure for him, someone who he can go to confide in. Um, you know, I think what we're saying is based on what other people close to him have said, can you at least admit that you may not have known Warren as, as well as you thought? Uh, yeah, I, I, I can say that. I, I, I want, I guess what I'm looking for is something definitive that would make me say, yeah, uh, beyond a reasonable doubt, I believe that that Warren killed her and I haven't I haven't seen that evidence yet so uh uh am am, am I naive enough to say oh no there's no way Warren could ever could have uh, done that no I'm not going to say that uh is Warren capable of hurting her oh yes uh certainly uh, he is um did he hurt her I I don't know I can tell you this, if Bonnie took her own life, the way that I see that happening was, um, you know, when they were coming home drunk, you know, and she said she was done with him. I'm not going to do this anymore. Perhaps he said, yeah, try mm -hmm. it. I'll kill you. I'll kill you because he's drunk. And maybe that's when she realizes, you know what? I'm not going to get out of this alive. I'm, I'm not going to get away from this man. And maybe that's what caused her to pull the trigger. That is the only other possibility we're looking at, right? But in both possibilities, we know that he's left her in a situation where she has no way out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jeff, thank you yeah. so much for uh, calling in and for updating us. And um, maybe he doesn't realize it right now, but I think uh, Warren's very lucky to have you in his corner. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you following up. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you guys. Uh, I appreciate what you do, uh, and I hope you're able to help uh, a lot of people. Uh, 
uh, that uh, that really need uh, the help, that feel helpless. Uh, and you guys give them at least an opportunity to uh, get their story out there. Uh, I always want to see justice done right. Um, you know, a person that's in jail that doesn't need to be in jail uh, needs to be free. And a person that needs to be in jail needs to stay in jail. And uh, I think you guys are a part of, of making all of that happen. Thank you. Jeff, thank you, man. You take care of yourself, okay? And thank you, Jeff, right, for, thank for you. everything you do, too. You know, you are an awesome friend. All right, that does it for uh, this episode of the Reasonable Doubt podcast. Hopefully, we have whet your appetite and you are going to start watching the show on ID Tuesday nights, 10 o'clock. We're going to be back next week with a brand new case. My name is Rob Rosen. I am the executive producer and creator of Reasonable Doubt. I'm Fatima Silva, criminal defense attorney and co-host of Reasonable Doubt. And I'm Detective Chris Anderson. I'm a former homicide investigator, and I'm the co-host of Reasonable Doubt. All right. Stay six feet away from everyone. Wash your hands. Stay safe. (laughs) And uh, we will be back next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.